In this 60-minute special, I host a series of conversations with those who work and live in the space, including some who reject the label gang. And I ask each of them, what is the one thing New Zealanders need to know? Kia ora. Welcome to this episode in Season 2 of Recovering. I'm Frank Ritchie, church minister, chaplain and radio broadcaster. Recovering is a Media Chaplaincy New Zealand podcast highlighting the excellent work of Aotearoa New Zealand journalists. In each episode, I sit down with a leading journalist to discuss the story that's had the biggest impact on them, both personally and professionally. In this episode, I sat down with Moana Maniapoto and her son Hikurangi Jackson. Moana connecting to Ngāti Tuwharitoa, Tuhurangi and Ngāti Pikaio is well known for her music career, touring the world with her band and for the creation of documentaries as well. She's a recipient of the New Zealand Order of Merit alongside many other accolades. She's a powerhouse. Now working with her son Hikarangi Jackson of Ngāti Poro, Tuwharitoa, Ngāti Maniapoto and Tuhurangi, she presents Te Ao with Moana on Whakata Māori. The Hour with Moana won Best Current Affairs Series at the Voyager Media Awards for 2021 and 2022. Hikurangi comes from a background steeped in Māori media and is a significant talent guiding much of the show. We had a conversation about the difference between their approach to journalism as Māori and a more Pākehā approach, a theme that was developing in previous episodes of this season of the podcast. Alongside that, we explored a one-hour special they did on gangs. I sat down with Moana and Hikurangi at their office, complete with Rocky the dog, passing rubbish trucks and the comfort of sitting in a lounge for a good chat, followed up by an outstanding scone from a cafe up the road. Enjoy. Moana and Hikurangi, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast after so long trying to organise making <laughs> making this happen. It is a pleasure to be sitting here and I need to acknowledge we have a, a dog in the studio with us, so if we hear any barking... It's just love, and we hear cars outside, which just shows uh, the busy space that you guys do your do your work in. I'm really interested to explore first with you, Moana, journalism, because of course you're known for your singing career, uh, law. You've made a few documentaries. What brought you into the world of journalism? Two ladies came and visited me out at my home in Midiwai, and they said, "We've had a great idea." Um, we think that you should front your own current affairs show. And I said, that's not a great idea at all. I'm about to go on tour with my band, and I'm not a journalist. It uh, actually started at a media awards party, and these two ladies came up to me and goes, do you think your mum would be good at um, fronting a current affairs show? And I was like, oh, maybe. You should go talk that. to her. You never told me that. Yeah. <laughs> Far out. So, yeah, so they they talked to me, and they had this lovely folder with these ideas for the visuals and it was going to be called Moana and I was just like no I'm not a journalist seriously and they said well you don't need to be because you've been involved in all these different other areas and and got loads of hookups with different networks Um, so I went away on tour and kind of thought about it and I thought um, well it could be an interesting challenge but I was quite happy um, doing music I Many years ago, I did radio um, at Aotearoa Radio, which was the sort of the first urban Māori station. It was set up in um, in Durham Lane or somewhere, I can't remember, and then out in South Auckland. And Mana Māori Media was below us. That was run by Gary Wilson and Derek Fox. So I used to watch all these flash journalists go down there and 
um, you know, run around and looking really important. That, oh, look. And I, I was a talkback host. They were the real stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had a little bit to do with it but uh, and television, but I wasn't hanging out to, to go into television, back to TV. So what made you say yes then? Um, I, I'd always found journalism fascinating and really annoyed it, you know, the way that Māori stories are either portrayed or invisible in mainstream media. Um, could see that a lot of journalists, really good journalists, were getting burnt out or moving into PR. And I don't know, I've always had a fondness for Māori television because, you know, we kind of fought for that, to have this independent Māori platform. So, yeah, I thought, OK, well, I'll do my sixth album, do another tour, and then... Then I came back from that. Oh, while I was touring, they go, I said, well, do I, do I get training? I need training. Anyway, I came back and they, they said, interview this journalist. So I interviewed this journalist and then went away and did some more performing and they said, okay, we've got your first interview. I said, what? And they said, Jacinda Ardern. I said, what? I started with the Prime Minister. <laughs> oh, you'll be right. If you can do that, you'll be right after that. Sing and that was one. it. Wow. When you came in, what did you understand journalism to be? If you could describe journalism as you thought it was, what would that look like? Um, I, well, I think it's a privileged position to have a platform to be able to help people to join the dots. That's what I always say. To unpack issues, to tell stories, to make people think a little bit deeper about um, why things are happening and, and to try and sort of build relationships um, yeah, so I think it's so important, especially to challenge the powerful, to hold decision makers to account. And um, yeah, and I, it's kind of a little bit like music in a way, is that, you know, music is a way to connect people and to build relationships. And it's a soft form of challenging people. Um, I think journalism is so important, especially nowadays. And Rocky, can you sit down? <laughs> Just to mention the dog, Rocky yeah. is a, clearly a superstar. Clearly a social being that's needy. <laughs> so, Hikarangi, your journey, your journey into journalism is a lot more specific. Uh, yeah. tell, tell us about how you got in. Um, yeah, I kind of have grown up around Māori media. Um, my whānau... Uh, started Radio Watia in uh, in Mangere, so I kind of grew up around um, a lot of those Maori uh, political figures because uh, I used to go back to Watia every day and kind of um, follow my dad around. He so like at the time at Watia there was like Sid, my kuru Sid Jackson was there, uh, Titifa Harawira was working there, Tamiti, um, Scotty Morrison, um, Julian Wilcox, Quinton. Yeah. He, Hita, like just so, so many big of, stars. Yeah, yeah. The kind of the second wave after Aotearoa Radio because yep. Sid used to be over there too and he used to have Liberation talk back. Yeah. You know, and then that, then that kind of closed down and then Wātia was like, it went kaboom. My dad's brother worked there. Um, yeah, and I used to follow my dad around to Aotearoa Radio. Was that in Otahu? Yeah, you know, he only got a job there because I was a, a daily talkback host yeah. and then... He used to ramble on about sports and then yeah. he said, you haven't got any sports talkback host here and uh, I should be it. And so the next minute the boss gave him a job and that's how Willie Jackson ended up getting into radio. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, just used to follow my dad around everywhere, sports, like when he was a sports journo, um, when he was on Radio Live of John Tamahere. So, yeah, I enjoyed 
sitting there and listening to um, my dad's Did interview you? people and speak to people. I found it entertaining. Oh, they were funny. Um, you know, ups and downs of that job. But yeah, I just wanted to do something in media, I guess. Mm. I didn't know whether I wanted to be a producer or journo or whatever, TV, just something to do with it. So Yeah, so. and then you got mentored by Bailey. Yeah, then I got a job by, from Bailey Mackey, who works for Pungal Productions. Um, Bailey used to work at Watia too, so that's probably how I got that job. And I was just kind of being a coffee runner, um, you know, picking up Bailey's car when he left it in town or getting people coffees or, yeah, and just like, I, I didn't mind sitting there waiting for my turn and just kind of learning from everyone. Mm. It's good fun, yeah. It sounds like a... In terms of difference from the usual Pākehā way into the industry, yeah. it sounds like a strongly relational, strongly whānau-based journey. Yeah. No, mm. it was. And um, we're so... We know everyone in Te Māori. Like, we all know we each other. That's, like, been the big difference. Um, when I meet some kind of mainstream journos, they're like, oh, do you know this person? I was like, yeah, we, like, literally know everyone in Te Māori. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how tight Te Pākehā is, but, yeah... It's been a special, special ride. Um, I was with Pungal for like Pungal, which is which runs Marae on TV One. So I was surrounded by Miriam Kamo and Scotty Morrison and Carmen, Yvonne Tahana, um, Tini Molyneux, Potaka Maipi. So I was just like, yeah, they they all looked after me coming up through the ranks. Um, yeah, he's got, he's he's so fantastic, and he got, he was shaped by them. And they, yeah. you know, some of them are pretty tough. They don't sort of mince words. Yeah. They can't be bothered with some people who have short patience. They always, <laughs> but they, you know, they really liked him and respected him, so that was really yeah. good. But Marae, like, we're based in Greyland, so I never really got the whole TVNZ experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now with Te Awamana, we're here in this office, so we're not really getting the full Māori TV experience. Or I haven't really worked in a big workplace before. It'd be good to have, like... More friends, and, then, <laughs> and oh, more people. Sounds like I literally don't know. Already. I don't. I don't really know anyone other than the people that worked on those shows. You, but oh you're so, my god, he's so, so dramatised. But if you work for like one news or Sunday, you get, you get to meet like a hundred people in that in that building. You know, um, yeah. We ha- we do have e tangata here, but they haven't they haven't popped in for ages. Yeah. Um. So you know, Tapu Misa and um. Gary Nicholas and I'm a um, oh Gary Wilson sorry and I'm a trustee on Itangata, so that's been really important for me in the last few years is to be a part of that because it's an important platform to, you know, raise a, a diverse Māori and Pacific voice, and um, they've helped me hone my writing skills. Um, some of my stories haven't made um, the cut. I thought they were bordering on brilliant myself. And then I'd seen them in, and Tupper would go, or Gary would go, "What's your point?" And I go, <laughs> and I go, "You know, you go away, rewrite that one, or you know, check." And and at first I used to get a little bit sort of like, "Oh, please." And then, but that, that's really helped me kind of hone my writing and focus, and I've really enjoyed that too. Mm. I'd say that there's probably. Just to feed back to the desire to work in some of those bigger places, there's, there's there's value in that. But I think you guys are forging something really significant and important uh, that shapes something new in terms of where Aotearoa is heading. Mm. I think it, it needs those people pushing pushing in those spaces. So mm. I just encourage you, what you're doing is amazing. The mm-hmm. networks you've got are fantastic. And the type yeah. of stories that you're telling probably wouldn't be able to be told 
in quite the same way in those mm. spaces because there's a lot more formula that you need to that you need to follow. Yeah, a lot I more think restrictions. Through, yeah, right? I yeah. think yeah. we really. I mean, like I deliberately wanted us to um, have a have a space outside of the Kata Māori, um, just so we could be build a small team because um, just the way that it's physically set up out there, it's not that easy. It's kind of um, all over the place, and we just needed to. Because it's so it's so challenging pulling journalists and reporters and teams together. No matter where you are, we need a little place that we could, you know, um, build relationships. So and so with COVID and everything, it was oh, a great gosh. decision. Yeah, yeah, it was. Following on from that uh, strong Fano relational based approach to an entry into media, uh, how was it thinking through the idea of being a mother son duo for Tiao with Moana? Well, it didn't happen in the first year, eh? I, yeah. was, I was still at Marae when mum started at Te Ao of Moana. And um, it was a weird... It was weird for me to um, be on another current affair show and my mum was on another one. And <laughs> we're, like, technically rivals. And I was like, ah. Oh. And there was, like, things in mum's show that I knew, like, could just fix up a little. It could be a lot better. Um, yeah, what did you think, Mum? Was, um, she was begging me to come over for ages. But like, oh, <laughs> begging. He's exaggerating <laughs> once again. But yeah, I wanted to finish my year with Marae. So oh, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, finish no, it properly. That was actually quite a challenging decision because I've always been a fan of Marae and what they do and you kind of feel a bit stink like, oh, I might pinch him. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I wasn't quite sure how it was going to work because it's a different dynamic working mm. together. Especially because she flats with me too. So, <laughs> <laughs> my partner, uh, you know, it's twenty four seven. Tell Mona, no. <laughs> well, we do actually have to be really careful because I do stay with them a couple of nights a week, and we have to forcibly not try not to talk about the show all mm. the time because we're both workaholics. And we both just think about it all the time. So we're aware that we're probably, um, you know, overdoing it. We're in the company of others. When he first came over, I was thinking, gee, how's this going to work? Because I've got my own particular style of working with people. I've taken bands around the world. And um, and he's, he had his own style. And it took us a little while to kind of gel and think oh god we can't go off and be in a huff with each other we're going to have to work out ways of um you know relating in a professional level um but no it's just fantastic it's just you know i just absolutely love it he's very he's very professional he's very good at what he does he's got a great eye for stories great eye for treatment it's taken me a while to you know let go of my stuff because i'm you know, I like to do my stuff, um, but I trust him, and that's been really enjoyable. Yeah. Would that be your perspective? Yeah, Not that you can yeah. say anything different in front of your mother. But. Uh, yeah. No, it's been, it's been like not many people get to work with their parents mm. or their kids, and especially in media, it's like really rare. I can only think of maybe one at ZB maybe. But, yeah, um, it's been an awesome experience, and I'm really glad I jumped jump ship I guess but um you know it's like we're like we're pretty lucky to have mum I guess she's like been growing every year in her um in her role and uh, it's just mean having that kind of x factor in your team so like when you want to do those big interviews with Luxons or the Luxons or the Jacindas or whoever 
Prince Harry maybe one day like you know you've got someone in your team that can get a lot out of it mm. and um, engage everyone yeah he um he he said to me um okay I, I think that you need to do an opinion piece at the end of your at the end of the show and I was like oh I don't know about that inspired by Mike Hosking yeah because yeah. I was like I oh, know they annoy me all those opinion pieces they just annoy me he's like no we need to have we need to come back at them we need to have our own stuff. And I was thinking, oh, I don't know, you know, it's crossing the line. And then I'd write these people. Oh, well, know, it's a thin line between being, like, cool and annoying. Eh? So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you've got to find the right balance. Yeah, here you go. Oh, look, did you hear this? And I'm like, yeah, God, that drove me nuts. He goes, write about it. Use it as your opinion piece. So we did it. And we, you know, we checked with Māori television in the early days every time just in case they've, they've never ever said to us you can't do this or you can't say that um, but we'd always fly the opinion bit. Now. Yeah, yeah we'd fly that by them and um, and it was always good and it just kind of it, it took off people really you know um, resonated with some of the issues yeah that was one sort of example of him having a bright idea and me going, oh, nah, 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 and then going, oh, okay then. But he does frighten me sometimes with some of the suggestions that he comes up with. I'm like, no, I don't want to interview them. (laughs) Sometimes we argue about, well, I want to interview this person. He's like, no, I want to. (laughs) I wanted to interview Sonny Bill Williams. (laughs) He did. I wanted to interview Marlon Williams, but she did. (laughs) We should have done it together. Yeah. yeah, that would be good to see. Have you done any together? Yeah, no, no, I haven't seen any. I was thinking, yeah, like we're trying to get Prince Harry across the line, and I was like, maybe that could be the <laughs> yeah, yeah, that could be the one. Yeah, it'd that's... be a bit odd. He'd be like, well, a mother and a son. That's weird. Yeah. You mentioned having someone on your team and trusting them to be able to sit down and, and engage with whoever. Yeah. Uh, and as I've watched your work, that's definitely definitely the way that it seems to be that willingness to explore and take everybody right where they're at rather Mm. than trying to push a line for a story which I've really appreciated uh, watching so talk me through your style a little bit because I'm I'm interested to know in your mind how much of it is Māori versus how much of it is just your own personal style that seeming ability to take people where they're at and just explore life and their story with them Mm. I think our styles are similar um, in that we're genuinely interested in what people think and how they feel. So that's genuine. It doesn't matter whether it's a politician or um, an artist or whatever. And our, our style is to you know, form a kind of a rapport with someone and and just and just draw them out so that they feel comfortable about talking about things. I suppose create a little bit of an intimacy. Um, yeah, what do you think? Be uh, charmingly disarming. <laughs> there you go. Is that what you say? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I just like having convos and yarns, and um, it seems to work so far. So um, I always have a yarn with someone before we do the interview. If I'm going to ask a tough question or a tricky question, I bring it up before I even sit down, mm. and it always works. Um, sometimes if you bring it up as a surprise, it's like an ambush, and it's just like the interview's over. Um, some people like that style. Well, not me so much, but... Mm. I, I asked... Like the Luxon interview, you started off asking, like, 
about his whānau and his friends and all that stuff and that's kind yeah, of how well, well, you came in for the kill later then, <laughs> well I mean yeah. don't you do that when you meet people in real life yeah. you know what do you you don't sort of normally launch into the so what's your issue with co-governance yeah exactly you know and then um, uh, I mean I remember he did this interview with um, Dave Latelli senior and mm. junior and they had never discussed how this, how this, what the son thought about his father's life as a mongrel mob leader. Mm. Now that 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 had discussed it like on, on media before, but just not in the same room together. Mm. And it was, um, yeah, it was. I haven't been in that situation before. I'm not a counsellor. Um, I wasn't well, really you sure. Well, to say they yeah. got quite emotional about yeah. it. Eh? They got really emotional about it, and yeah, on the day of, like Dave Junior didn't want to do the interview. But um, yeah, it's pretty special. And you, I didn't, quite, I don't, I don't think I really did that much. But but you, yeah. you didn't know whether to stay there or leave the room. Yeah, I've got kind of. I was like, oh man, should I leave the room and let you guys talk? Um, but yeah, really connected with people out there, people who had, um, didn't have the best relationship with their parent growing up, um, and just yeah, it was special. I'll send it to you one day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems deeply human to me and I'm interested in justice and journalism and justice often get talked about together that speaking truth to power trying to bring about justice where there is is a wrong justice to me sorry for the monologue but justice to me is a little bit it's, it's well it's much bigger than that justice is the movement towards making things right and a lot of people see justice as if evil is done then there is a punishment if good is done then there is a reward and so then you see ju- journalism playing out and often trying to ferret out the wrong and make sure that the wrong gets punished. Whereas what I hear you doing, what I see you doing is more deeply human and more healing, which to me speaks to justice in a much deeper, richer way. Mm. Is that how you'd see it? I, I mean, I think that in the Māori world, at least, and everything that you know, I've been taught from the mentors that have been around me is that you know justice about is about the restoration of balance and and that's quite a challenging space but it it often requires um a more meaningful engagement and you know people bringing everything to the conversation understanding what happened what drew people in there trying to find their common values and that, and I remember um, interviewing Juana Jackson about the notion of justice, and it's not just about the individual and the individual finding that restoration of balance. It's about families. In fact, Timothy Karetu, who I interviewed, he said there's, there's kind of like no word for guilty in Te Reo. It's about balance um, because if you harm one person, then you're harming a group, and that. And your own family has been affected. So I think that that's a, a powerful way of approaching journalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And it moves beyond the binary good versus evil mm-hmm. that we want to often reduce things to because it creates a, a drama that's really easy to then buy into. I'm on the side of good, not on the side of evil. I'm going to punish evil. But all human beings are way more complex than that reduction to is this good or is this bad. Yes, and, and that's what's really dangerous at the moment and disturbing, I guess, 
you know, um, with social media and with journalism and with politics as we head into the next election, we will see this this kind of like war um, where everything gets oversimplified. Mm. Um, and that makes our, our life quite hard, eh? Because a lot of times we're, um, we're trying to unpack issues that have been over-dramatised by other media outlets. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking... Um because I like spent a lot of time with my grandmother growing up, and she was the longest serving parole member in New Zealand history. So like we always had a, so many um, people from different walks of life turn up to our whare, like people who'd murdered people, hurt people, um, gang members, and um, should send them all to our marae and mangiring, our whareiwate marae. They do restorative justice there. And um, sometimes they would screw up, and then my nan will always say, like, you've got to give these guys, like, two or three chances. You can't just give them one chance and, like, throw away the key. So, yeah, I think that's all, that's helped. Mm-hmm. And you've, been, you've spent time on the marae too. Yeah, I mean, help, all the people that have been part of our lives. Help relate to people anyway. Yeah, yeah. like the, the union, like Uncle Sid yeah. and Moana and, you know, all the activists and all that. That, that helps shape your thinking. So, you know, when we come to journalism, we've got all that kind of guiding us and then outside our circles like you know you've got your mate Kingy works in criminal justice we've got all our friends that work in health and education and they're kind of like game changers and they're doing the business there as advocates for Māori and looking at justice issues within their particular sectors so we're kind of you know part of a sort of a platoon that's that's going forward you know everyone's on this particular kaupapa um, and that, you know, that helps guide you. Mm. A great example of this, uh, and I'm going to use the word gang because it's just the word that gets used that yep. everybody uh, has their associations with. Mm. I think the one hour special that you did on gangs was extremely special and probably a really good example of exactly what we're talking about. That one hour special, how did that start? His idea. Yeah. It was a, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think there was a lot of cordial in the media about gangs and how evil they were and how they were the the biggest issue in Aotearoa. And we we're just like, oh, we just need to sit around with people and just kind of unpack it a bit. Um, so we had Simon Bridges on debating with Willie Jackson. We had um, former gang members. We had um, advocates. We had Don Brash on, which was kind of. We would never invite Don Brash on, but he kind of Don fit. Brash, Hannah Tamaki, and Kingy Snelber in the one little table. <laughs> yeah, poor Kingy. No, just yeah. But it was interesting, eh? So it's just it really that, worked. Yeah, and, it's just yeah. that we 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 know it's not black and white. Yeah, and um, and we were careful, like you know, we don't want to demonise, we don't want to glorify, glorify gangs. Yeah. We we know gang members. We've got mates who are gang members, who are or former gang members. Um, and we know that there is some organised crime um, within some gangs and some gang members. We know some gang members that we had on may have hurt people in the past. Yeah. Um, there was a lot to kind of... Well, there was a lot of negotiating and, yeah. and a lot of timing of um, who yeah. was going to come through the door at the, the particular... Right yeah. Making sure you weren't putting rivals in the room together. Well, there was well, history be- be- um, between some of them, eh? Yeah. So, yeah. And no. they, but I'll tell you what, they were all so lovely and polite. Yes, and respectful. Gorgeous. Yeah. Um, 
Though one said he didn't want any makeup on, and I said, don't go all gangster on me, get in there. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I mean, I found it, I found it, I learned stuff in that particular thing, like just you mentioning the word gang and um, Eugene saying, well, we don't actually call ourselves gangs, mm. we call ourselves clubs or whanau. Um, and him mentioning that, you know, often gang members get a conditional welcome to marae, like you can come but don't bring your patch, um, which I've always kind of thought was a great idea. Yeah, don't bring your women patch, but I could see his perspective. Um, and just Potawa, like he's had a really, you know, he's done some bad things in his life, but he's also had a, a very um, tough and violent upbringing. Um, which is not to excuse what he's done, but, you know, it's just good for people to understand these layers to everything. I think we also interviewed, or well, Shamina Smith interviewed uh, Simeon Brown. Who'd just, never met a gang member. Yeah, just asked, have you ever met a gang member? Mm. No. Do so. you want to meet a gang member? I don't think so. I mean, How can you have heck? such a strong opinion on something if you've never actually, you know, been in that world or even try to reach out? Yeah. I mean, Muldoon did, so, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, like, with Potawa and with... Um, uh, Liz Makaleo, she was saying, like, well, um, he he was saying that you know he just his uncles, his dad, everyone in the neighbourhood, they're all in the mob. So, well, it's kind of like if they're all rugby players, maybe mm. you join rugby, but you know they're all, it's just natural. I, I remember and Liz Pato- was saying that too. Yeah, and Potawa was like, I bet Simeon, I bet Simeon's mum and dad hugged him growing up, and I bet he got nice lunches going to school growing up, and I couldn't believe he was actually saying that to me. I was like, oh, man. You know, sounded like a little boy there, and then just he, like he wanting got, kind of normal things. Yeah, yeah. and then he got very emotional <clears throat> when um, I asked him about his daughter, eh, his baby. Yeah, you know, and you could sort of see, oh, okay, he's he's um, he's trying hard, you know, and he's a work in progress. Well, gee, that's fantastic. You know? Yeah. Well, this is this is. Uh the thing that's playing out in the clubs, the club scene at the moment is a lot of these guys who have been there for years now have they have babies mm. uh, and they want a better world for their babies. So there's a there's a reckoning with how does this need to change for those older for those older clubs as opposed to some of the new five hundred ones that have come through. Uh, but there's a reckoning for what does this mean for their babies and how do they help their babies have a good life. And the other thing I see playing out is a reckoning with their childhood trauma and everything yeah. that that kind of push them into that space in the first place Mm. is that childhood trauma with the state and normal society that makes me wonder how you got some of them to the table because the trust level would have to be really high to have them sitting at the table Mm. I think that they um, I think a lot of them feel like they know us like they 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 might recognize me or they they know um, him and and there's a distrust of what do you say, mainstream Pakia media? You know, like, mm. like yeah, that, like, like we haven't. I haven't. I, I struggled with the media growing up, to be honest. When I was at at high school, you know, the whole foreshore and seabed stuff was happening, and Don Brash and Helen Clark, and it just seemed like the media was always against us. So that's probably how they felt too, eh? So mm. there's a definitely a way they trust Maori media way more, whether it's uh, Te Ao of Moana or the Hui with Mihi and Annabelle or Marae with Miriam and Scotty. Um, mm. That's why we can connect with them, and they know that they know that we're genuinely trying to, we're genuine, mm. you know. So we're not trying to trap them. 
Um, and then you know, we had uh, we had other guests on there like um, Jared Savage, who I thought was really awesome when he was kind of pointing out some facts um, that not every gang member is part of an organised crime ring. Um, so you know that was really appreciated too. I mean, it was kind of strange having Don Brash there. I wouldn't have him talk about anything else, um, but he was. Why, Don? Why are you interested in this particular gang? And he talked about it. So mm. why not? And the women there, I think that was fascinating. You know, asking Paula Ormsby, well. There's been dodgy, really bad stuff that's happened to women and gangs, you know. How do you account for that? So, um, yeah, I, th- I think there was a, that was an interesting conversation and we got good feedback from those communities. Mm. Hey. Yeah, they had a big viewership, which was really interesting. And there was a big uh, power cut. There. It was like the day that... 20% of the country's like power got cut out. So I was like, right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it was um, lots of people watched that and we got lots of good feedback. So it was cool. It was uh, worth it. Yeah, it yeah. was interesting. You never know how it's going to. I know. And I mean, I just think up. like um, Eugene, he was saying, you know, um, gang members or club members, um, we're also parents. We might be students, like he's a law student. There was another student there, the young Black Power dude, eh? Genesis, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, we rugby league players. We might be boxers. Um, and then Peke, who's a good mate of mine, he's like, you know, you could be standing next to a gang member. They just might not have their patch on. So they could be in the dairy next to you buying a pie. Mm. So just kind of like breaking it down, um, not not shying away from the fact that there is some, you know, bad stuff happening out there. Uh, but, you know, it, it isn't all black and white and not everybody's in the same boat. Mm. And there's reasons why. Yes. You know, peeling back the layers. Oh, okay, jeepers, a whole bunch of these ones were, were state wards and, yep. and, it, and just went right through the pipeline. And there's their friends. That's their whanau, eh? The lovely... The lovely um, man that became a counsellor, I can't remember his name now, he was gorgeous. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so that's doesn't all just pop out anywhere. No, yeah, and the new generation, they don't like wake up one day and they go, I want to be a gang member. A lot of them just are born into it, so. And yeah. some of them try and get out. We, I went into Ngafar Prison and spoke with some there. Um, some of them had you know, become Christians inside. Some had found their, um, their real and connected up with their whakapapa. That was quite moving to me because I sort of thought some of those programs were like, oh, God, well, superficial, who cares, you know. And then you, then you sit down with someone and they tell you, you know, I know who I am, I know where I'm from, and it's just changed my life. Mm-hmm. And I think, wow, isn't that, and I just like, I uh, hope that everything goes well. Once they get out, I'm, I'm just, you know, dying to reconnect with them once they're out to see if they're do- doing okay because they could have a quite a romantic view in there, mm-hmm. come outside and it's still a struggle. So, yeah, those are really important um, experiences for us that inform us. Mm. That finding of identity is really significant when their whole identity has just been the hurt and the trauma and wanting to push against yeah. the system that created it. As, 
as someone who grew up without my father around, didn't know him, uh, went through some traumatic stuff as a, as a kid and didn't have a lot of identity, faith gave me a whakapapa. It gave mm. me a heritage and a story. So I could imagine uh, for a lot of these people, discovering that for themselves is a, is, a really, mm. is a really big deal. I was really fascinated in that one hour discussion as someone who has a very minor contact with the mongrel mob kingdom and the waikato and can see the complexity and a lot of the good that they're trying to do i loved your discussion with paula and i loved it because you asked some hard questions you didn't shy away but there was a totally different vibe from what i would see from many journalists asking those same questions there never seemed to be the desire to get the bit of dirt that would give the the sound bite mm. what was going on for you what's your thought process as you ask some of those tough things like about what women have experienced in the mongrel mob um, well i mean it, it's just like having a normal conversation it's kind of like well here's an opportunity i'm going to ask because you know you're there um and hope that she would come back and and be honest and and it felt like that mm. so you know I, I didn't sort of go on there thinking too much about it it just was kind of like a natural conversation i think like something that we do that other people don't do like other current affairs shows or other news shows like we can like with the Luxon interview the gang it's like the whole episode so when it's not like five minutes cut up you can actually get through quite a lot mm. so that gang was like one hour of round tables we had Christopher Luxon on for 26 minutes like you don't really see an interview mm. of Luxon for 26 minutes or when we have Jacinda on it's going to be the same so um, it's good like the there was kind of this thing out there that like um, there wasn't an appetite for like long conversations mm. but um, yeah I, th- I think there is and it's proven because like yeah I mean like just podcasts are growing again and um, yeah it's been an interesting shift for us eh? yeah and to- the um, the gang thing wasn't just one hour though because we had the commissioner yeah. of, of police the week after and we had Simon and Wally the week before, eh? Mm. So we kind of like just we, we we just get you know let's let's hear the polar opposites of the politicians and get them out of the way. Then we'll get the real people in here, and then we'll get the um you know the police there, and just just try and unpack as much as we uh, as we could. But yeah, I agree that um people do enjoy seem to enjoy a one on ones where you can sit down have a good conversation with someone and and it's a way in to look at an issue. Yeah. It's a way to unpack through their experience and their thinking a particular issue that can raise lots of challenges for people that are listening, eh? Mm, I, I didn't think it was going to work because, you know, like we live in a world where people want to just watch like 30-second clips on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. But, yeah, people like it, so well, I keep think going. It, I think it pulls, it pulls the... The people in the story away from just being characters in a yeah. shallow drama uh, and it, it injects their humanity which then most of us will see elements of ourselves mm-hmm. like you, you watch most of the people that you interview in that uh, gang special and if you're really listening you hear I hear elements of myself I hear elements of my own story and I think that will be true for most people mm. I suppose it's humanizing isn't it you know? yeah and that's what some of the feedback that we got was from people like, oh, okay, you know, like a whole bunch of people just hated gang members full stop and then they sort of stopped and had a listen and they thought, well, okay, I've never thought about that before or I didn't relate to that person. Yeah, well, he sounds like my nephew. 
Hmm. Or my cousin or my auntie, yeah. Yeah, well, good job. Thank good you. job. Yeah, I mean, it. good job. Ah. Thanks for watching. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. I hope more people watch it now. Uh, think it, just to close this off, thinking about the future of media in Aotearoa, New Zealand, where do you see it going? Yeah, well. Uh, well, I mean, there is a new cohort of um, uh, young Māori that are coming through, and they seemed very passionate. We did a little bit of training with them. Um, and, and they're, they're all real speakers. I think one of the biggest challenges that we've had as um, Māori media is that um, Whakata Māori and Iwi Radio um, has, is statutorily, statutorily required to promote the language, whereas mainstream Pākehā media hasn't. And that's been really difficult and challenging, and I think it's been quite unfair. Um, there's, yeah, there's a younger cohort of journalists and reporters coming through and that augurs well um, I I suppose there's um, I always get worried that um, I, I think we need to build up credibility and reliability in terms of journalism um, you know there's a there's a certain style that's coming through now which is is not helpful in terms of unpacking issues and it's creating real polarism so you i think we just have to try and hold the line really there's there's a lot of good journalists out there yeah it's a weird one eh? like i've been doing journalism like what six years it's not that long but there's been such a shift in the last two years three years since covid and and trump eh? and yeah just like a lot of our whanau out there just have a distrust of media now Mm. i know how do you repair that or how do you bring us all together again um, I actually don't know what the answer is to that. Um, I think we've we've even been sometimes like lumped in with mainstream media. They're like, you know, you mainstream media and cheapers with it's all. It's like the a con- dirty word now, journalism for some people out there, and yeah. or journalists. It's, it's part of the status quo. Yeah. Um, part of the establishment, mm. um, and and usually from the perspective of the ones that are involved in conspiracy theories, the ones that are part of the. Um, strange protests that are happening right now. We we had discussions about you know who who we should interview and who we shouldn't, so that we don't we're not part of the problem. But I remember having. We that. also don't want to talk to ourselves all the time, eh? No. So. <laughs> and then, but then there's a whole bunch of Maori that are gravitating towards certain forces and leaders and we think oh gosh so you did the first interview with billy tk there at one stage mm. which was before he kind of cousin hit, yeah before he hit the he- we're all related and we're thinking <laughs> oh should we do this is this amplifying it's like well there's a whole bunch of maori going there yeah and then i've sat down in the studio and interviewed them so yeah we're facing a lot of challenges now just to maintain credibility eh Definitely, yeah. It's an interesting time. Um, TikTok times. Mm. Well, to close then, I'll just encourage you, for whatever it's worth, to hold the line on your approach because I think it's significant and important because I think you're right. The combative, polarising culture that in which we exist needs people who are willing to see human beings when they sit down to tell stories, aren't just looking for the drama 
and the soundbite. So I think what you do in the media space is extremely important for the future of Aotearoa New Zealand media and just the, our nation and how it understands itself and how its understanding of its identity continues to grow. So um, hugely... Thank you. Thank you for being willing to step into journalism, Moana. Uh, oh, thank you to you both for being willing to work together and for bringing a very humanising approach to storytelling. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, kia ora. Ngā mihi nui, Moana, Ikurangi, and of course, Rocky the dog. Thank you for generously taking the time to sit down for this kōrero and exploring your style of journalism. Thanks to Radio New Zealand for hosting this series. And a big thanks to Josh Couch, Steph So, and Mick Andrews for producing this podcast. If you appreciate this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and share it with someone else who'd like it. And remember to follow to catch future episodes. At Media Chaplaincy New Zealand, we value our media. We demonstrate that by offering free, independent and confidential support for media professionals. So if you work in the media industry and you want to chat with someone who gets it, head to mediachaplaincy.nz to arrange a catch-up. And the coffee's on us. 